From the FSU College of Law, I'm Alva Striplin. And I'm Jeff Kahn. The greatest legal minds in Florida and around the country have come from the FSU College of Law, and they're not just arguing cases in a courtroom. From heading up multi-million dollar companies and state agencies to advising on financial ventures and mergers that are changing the business landscape in Florida, these FSU College alums are Taking taking care care of of business. business. Today's guest is the president of the Rady Law Firm, specializes in a lot of insurance law, and we'll dip into that in a bit. We welcome to the show Travis Miller. Travis, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're glad you're here. So let's jump in. You are a graduate of FSU Law School and FSU undergrad, correct? That's right. I got my undergraduate degrees in accounting and finance and then came here to the College of Law. Okay. Did you know this is where you wanted to come for law school? Did you know you wanted to be a lawyer? In undergrad? I did not know that I wanted to be a lawyer in undergraduate school. I was a business major and probably thought I would end up in the business field somewhere. At, toward the end of my undergraduate career, I kind of recognized there was an opportunity to combine business and law. I applied to a number of law schools. I always liked the Florida State University experience and was impressed with the College of Law. So out of the schools that I was admitted to, this one really felt right for me. And, and so I just decided to continue here in Tallahassee. Gotcha. And did you have you found that your undergrad in accounting and finance has helped in your career in addition to your law degree? I'm biased because it's the degrees I have, but certainly for me, practicing in a very highly business-oriented field, the undergraduate degrees in accounting and finance are indispensable. They've been so beneficial to me, and I participate in several activities down at the business school. I do encourage any of those students who want to go to law school to do so and really try to let them know that the business background they have will serve them well, especially if they go into some corporate-oriented business sector. Mm -hmm. What was your first job out of law school? My first job out of law school was at a local firm in Tallahassee called Katzcutter Hagler. Started off there as an associate. I had joined that firm basically following a person, Bill Bryant, who was very connected to this law school during his career. I clerked for him when he was at Foley and Lardner. While I was in law school, Bill joined that firm And I soon, after graduating, joined Bill and the rest of the group over at that firm. We talked to our students about how important it is to extern or network or get involved as a student and get to know people that work in the legal field. Can you give some advisement to students now on doing just that while they're still in law school? How important is that? I think it's very helpful, and especially after students have that initial period of acclimating themselves to the law school, learning what the study uh, load is going to be, the class work, and making sure they've got that priority set, then it gives them some time and they'll understand what they can pursue outside of the law school. One of the big advantages of the Florida State Law School to me is the proximity to the capital and to all of the governmental affairs and legal services in this town. So relative to many other law schools, I think the ability to work here in a capacity with people and in areas that will benefit them years into the future is far better at this law school than at many others. Okay. So when did you get specifically into insurance? And how did that happen? 
It happened through a complete naivete uh, on my part, uh, really an inability to recognize what I was heading toward, <laughs> and uh, I uh, wasn't smart enough to say no uh, at the time. Uh, I got my job the way I think some other students get their job. I was not blessed enough to know exactly what I wanted to do and where I was going to do it. I went through four years of undergraduate school and probably in that third to fourth year realized, you know, I'm not going to be an accountant. I don't want to be an accountant. I want to do something else. And I went to law school. When I was in law school and I was clerking, I still didn't have a great idea of what I wanted to do. But I knew that I liked the people that I was working with, people like Bill Bryant that I mentioned earlier. So when it came time for me to get a job, I just went for the available job. Mm -hmm. And when I interviewed for the position, they explained that it would be in insurance law, more specifically insurance regulation. And they asked me, did you think that'd be something that you'd be interested in? And what I was really interested in was having a job. Uh, so I said yes. And I had no idea what I was getting into, but I stuck with it. And again, really for me, it came down to the people. I enjoyed the people that I was around. I eventually came to enjoy the subject matter and the challenge of it. But it all started with the people. And I, by no means did I set out to be an insurance regulatory lawyer. That would have been weird. <laughs> I think nine times out of 10, that's what we hear from people on this podcast is, yeah, I had no idea this is where I was going to land up. A one-off, we'll have one that says, nope, I knew exactly what I was going to do, and here I am. It just doesn't happen like that. So let's get a little bit into what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. What, what's your day-to-day -day job? And I'm sure it varies, um, but just give us, a, give us a glimpse of day in the life. Our firm primarily represents regulated industries, and we're primarily a corporate and administrative law firm. For myself, that tends to be more in the insurance space than anything else. We represent insurance companies, agencies, and other third parties that are in and around the business of insurance. There could be any number of things that happen for them. One of them is getting licenses, for example. Or at the other end of their business cycle, they may want to wind down their businesses, and you help them with the regulatory aspects of winding down those businesses. There's a very strong compliance component anytime you're dealing with regulated industries, whether it's insurance, telecommunications, uh, utilities, and so forth. There's a complex set of statutes, rules, all the things they teach you about in law school mm -hmm. that you have to comply with. There are examinations to determine if you're complying with those things. There are reports that come out. Sometimes there are penalties associated with those things. So all of those things, uh, compliance with the statutes, uh, uh, licensing, general business transactions, contracts that they enter into, things of that nature are all part of the day-to-day -day job. And also, I don't litigate. There are people in my firm who are litigators. I'm not a litigator. So a big part of what I do and one of the fun things about what I do is the consulting side of the business, really strategic advice, uh, maybe not so much how to deal with an examination that's pending, but, in fact, to avoid the situation in the first place, how can they 
be compliant? How can they have good procedures? How should they position themselves? So that's kind of ancillary to the practice of law, but it's a big part of what I do. Gotcha. What do you think, Jeff? I'll turn it over. Yeah, I'm, you, you mentioned, I want to go back to one of the statements you had. Um, you said, you know, your undergraduate experience really helped you and it's been invaluable to you. And that, of course, makes a lot of sense. But let's say I'm a student coming in who who just didn't know what I wanted to do, right? And didn't have that business background in, in, in undergrad, was either a poli-sci major or an English major or a history major. What, do you have any advice to that kind of student in law school about how do you, you know, the, the, obviously they can't make up for the kind of training you had at the business school as an undergrad. But what when you're looking at an associate and you want to make sure that they have this interest in business or maybe have the skills to be successful in insurance regulation or insurance business, what kind of courses, experience do you look for or recommend for the students to take? Let's say you've got a, a 3L that says, okay, you know, I, this is what I want to do. What are some of the courses you might push them towards? It's the great thing about Law school is that it's really not too late. It doesn't matter, in a sense, what you majored in in undergraduate school. It might be helpful if you're going into business law that you have a business degree, but it's not essential. When we all get done with law school, we have the same degree. So when I look at someone's resume who may be coming to us and they express an interest in what we do, I look at the resume and see if that aligns with the interest that they're expressing. If they've taken the classes in corporations and partnerships, taxation, the business-oriented courses that the law school offers, then I can see that they have an interest in the space. I can see their aptitude for the space. And it sort of speaks for itself. So I, I think the great thing about law school is that it isn't too late to decide once you're in law school what it is you want to do in the future. And one of the things we've done is is added this kind of business law certificate to try to signal to employers like you, you know, uh, that this student has taken those kinds of classes. And obviously, again, you can look at the transcript, but we're hoping the certificate is kind of a shortcut, right? That, you know, what we have is basically a list of 10 classes and we say you got to take this X amount of them, you know, and they include all the classes that you mentioned, corporations, partnerships, uh, taxation. Um, so... Is there anything again? Let me ask. Let me ask you as the law professor to get your thoughts. Is there any courses that that you feel you you know we've got the, obviously the traditional ones, the same ones that have been taught you know, and not that you're that old, but it, you know since you were here at law school. But are there courses that you think that law schools should be adding? That maybe there's areas that are being underserved for law students because they're not the traditional corporations taxation type courses. Are there? Are there, you know, it, it, should we have a specialized course in compliance or regulation? Or, I mean, we have admin law, obviously, but uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, the is world there, changes. And, and Is there a course in insurance law? There is an insurance law okay. course, yeah, which I think is is kind of a specialized contract course, is my sense, is the way it's been Typically, taught. they yeah. are, right. Mm. There are probably some things that businesses today confront that are beyond what the historical curriculum of law schools has been. Now, I think the good news is that from a law school standpoint, the most important thing is that the students come out learning how to think. The issue is identifying the key 
elements, identifying the key issues that anybody confronts, no matter what their what particular client you have, and then as best you can, understanding all sides of those issues. The lawyer who identifies the issues and has an appreciation for the strengths and weaknesses of both sides is usually going to do the better job in the long run. So if you come out with critical thinking skills, the rest of it you learn on the job. The law school doesn't necessarily have to train lawyers to do what lawyers do day to day, but it's essential that law schools train thinkers. And so from that standpoint, I think the law schools are doing a good job. Now, more specific to your question, yes, I believe that the pervasiveness of government regulation, both federal and state and to some degree local, is a bigger area than a lot of people give it credit for. And all corporations face compliance considerations. You could have it could be the Food and Drug Administration, it could be the Office of Insurance Regulation at the state level, Federal Aviation Administration. There are any number of agencies that affect all sectors. So if you're in a business-oriented space, you're inevitably going to end up talking about compliance and regulations. Administrative law is great. I actually and board certified in administrative law and didn't take it in law school. So <laughs> all of that came later. Mm-hmm. Uh, would have probably been helpful earlier in my career. But again, you can evolve in the profession. The foundation is what you need. As long as the critical thinking skills are there, the rest of it will kind of work out. Let me ask you one other thing, and, and then I'll turn it back. You mentioned, um, and I I found this very interesting. You said, you know, when we were asking about the day-to-day, you said one of the things you do, you're not a litigator, and so you're not on that side of, of – we sometimes think litigation equals conflict, and that's not always the case, but that, that's kind of a stereotype of it. But you said a lot of what you do sometimes is what we would consider maybe business planning, right? It's strategic uh, sort of uh, consulting and, and, and helping the business avoid problems. Do you have a sense of um, – you know, we don't always think that lawyers do that, but obviously they do. And is there, is there again, a way of – did that click for you in law school? Did you suddenly realize in law school in some class or something you were doing, you're like, you know what? Um, I don't want – I know I don't want to be at trial. I know I don't want to be doing depositions. I like the business side, but I not only like – I don't want to just do deals. I want to help with the business, right? I want to I want, I want to. I want to help clients with what we would generally, again, kind of consider business consulting. You know, that's, again, not a skill. Maybe we don't have a class in business consulting. But is it – how did you know, again, that that was something you liked doing? It came later for me. I, in law school, probably – I didn't grow up in a family of lawyers. uh, So I didn't have a great frame of reference for what – lawyers do and especially the vast range of things that lawyers do so i sort of classified the world according to people who litigate and people who write contracts that's probably (laughs) my view of of what types of lawyers there were in the world so it wasn't until i was in the working world that i really realized how much of the business law side of things is consultancy and that that evolved that came later Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, so i noticed from your resume that you had your own podcast for a while on insurance law 
I did. It's hard to keep it up. Uh, it is. Know. It takes a lot of effort, doesn't it? it, we, it we have realized that. <laughs> it does. Uh, and our own firm website with uh, the things that we put on there, the firm news, the business sector specific news, those things take a lot of effort. And for those of us who practice full time, it's it's hard to keep up with that. Yes, but I've done on our website, at least in the past, I've done probably need to bring back the podcast. And I've done also some podcasts with some of the industry organizations mm -hmm. that are their content that they that they distribute on their websites. That's what I was going to ask. What kind of things did you cover on your podcast? Was it just cutting edge? What's going on in the insurance industry, interviewing regulators in the field, um, anything you know, cutting edge that was going on? Is that the kind of thing you covered? It's typically a topic that is current. Uh, okay. Most of the organizations that I've done them with in the past Somewhat similar to doing a CLE or doing a, a presentation at an industry trade group, it typically is what is the most current topic today? What is relevant to the business that people want to hear about? I just did one a month ago, and it was not a legal forum at all. It was the Casualty Actuarial Society and their annual conference. And I partnered with an actuary, and the two of us did a presentation. And the topic for that presentation was, what's going on in the Florida homeowners insurance market? Mm -hmm. Very big topic. Mm -hmm. And we were speaking to a group of actuaries who are involved in developing products and rates and loss reserves for insurance companies. And they wanted to hear some perspective outside of the actuarial realm of, what is going on and why and what laws are working and what laws are not working, these sorts of things. So it was really the intersection of how the legal environment is affecting things they do, uh, set prices for, for insurance, homeowners insurance in particular, and how to estimate the losses for mm -hmm. financial statement presentation. It was a it was a good presentation, but that's the type of thing people want to hear about is what is happening today. If I could take a picture at any moment in time and say, these are the questions that I'm getting most often. Mm -hmm. That's what people want to hear about in their in their presentation. And right now for us, it's the recent special session right. that just concluded. Mm -hmm. Right. Just my instant reaction to an actuary. Plugging in numbers, I I in I go to climate change. Did they talk th about that at all as far as it relates to the insurance industry? Because I would have to, have to think that has to be a relevant topic. But something we may not – it may not be linear, but as we see the climate change and storms becoming bigger and more earth-shattering, more damage, is that something they factor in as far as futuristic insurance rates? There's a lot of discussion right now in the industry about climate change and climate change-related disclosures and – how much should be required and what you should say. That's all a very big topic. I would say an emerging one, if emerging means over the last several years and will continue probably mm -hmm. for several years, if that still constitutes being emerging. But a lot of what we face in Florida right now is where we've been a couple of years ago and where we might be a couple of years from now on, from a disclosure standpoint, that sort of thing is all relevant, stuff we need to plan for. 
but I got problems today. Mm-hmm. I need to know what the current law is. I need to know what the effect of the recent special session is going to be. Mm-hmm. I need to understand what's going on with adjusting claims. And I need to understand if my policy forms need to be adjusted. Those things have such immediacy that they tend to, on a day-to-day basis for a lot of us, overshadow longer-term trends on where things might end up. Yep, that makes complete sense. So let's let's shift gears a little bit here. If you could not practice law, somebody said you cannot practice, you can't be involved in anything legal, what other profession would you pick? That's a that's a hard one. <laughs> Ooh, stumped. That's a yeah. That's a hard one. Because I told you I was shifting gears. I I tried to prepare you here. <laughs> I think the reason that that's a challenge is because it is something that would have changed over the course of my career. Early on, sooner out of law school, if you had taken away the lawyer option, I probably would have defaulted back to my business degrees mm-hmm. and I would have ended up going through some sort of uh, business. I, I would have ended up in the corporate world, not probably as an accountant, but somewhere in the finance area. Mm-hmm. As time has gone on, though, I would probably work more in a strategic role uh, as a consultant or an advisor. There's a lot of what I do. Uh, this I probably shouldn't say this since I'm at a law school doing a podcast, but there's a lot of what I do that doesn't require a law degree, mm-hmm. uh, especially after doing it for 28 years, I guess, that it goes back to that strategic advice uh that's probably where i would end up is in a consulting role at Mm -hmm. this point in my Mm -hmm. career so no rock band or you know yeah anybody who's heard me (laughs) sing or try to play the drums or anything of that nature doesn't ask me to do it again okay Okay, gotcha so no uh i don't think i uh I'd be willing to give it a try. I just don't think it would work. WWE, none of that. That would not be your your alternative career choice. Likewise. I don't think people would pay to see it twice. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up with a Think Fast series. So a few other, these are uh, less less thinking involved in these questions. Uh, How do you take your coffee in the morning? Uh, cream only, no sugar. Cream only, no sugar. Uh, Only in the morning or all day? Only in the morning. Me too. Me too. How about you, Jeff? I'm an all-day coffee drinker. It obviously yeah. comes in with this coffee after a workout, which I don't know how you do that. That, <laughs> that In August in Florida, coffee workout, that's just a bad combination. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's the one movie you could talk along with? You've seen it so many times. I would say, gosh, any of the 80s type movies, the, the ones that were popular when I was a uh, teenager so to see the reemergence of say a top gun type thing mm-hmm. it's all those types of of movies that were big during that era have you seen it the new one oh yeah we just saw it this weekend it's pretty good yeah i, I it was good i know a lot of the younger set who has watched the original one mm-hmm. to as a prelude to watching the current one say that the current one is better it's going to be hard for someone of my age to say that the current one is better, but right. I see where they're coming from. Right. It's a, it was a pretty good take. Yeah. They did it with Star Wars, too. But, you know, us older generation, we think the originals are right. hard to top. Right. All right. What's your vacation of choice location? 
Well, I just got back from Europe, and during that span, we were in Milan, and then Switzerland and Paris, and Switzerland, to me, is my favorite. Uh, as far as uh, that, that was a great trip, and I would certainly do that one again. As far as in the U.S., I really like Lake Tahoe area, hmm. so uh, I look forward to doing that one again as soon as I'm able. That sounds wonderful. And traveling was okay in Europe. We've heard a few nightmare stories. No nightmare stories. That's everything good. was on time. <laughs> uh, everything is uh, pretty normal over there, uh, just like it is here in terms of what people are allowed to do and how they're allowed to do it. So. That was certainly refreshing given the period that we've all come through over the last few years. Nice, nice. Well, Travis, we have enjoyed having you on the show. We really appreciate you carving out the time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. This podcast made possible by a generous donation from Jeff and Aggie Stoops. Special thanks to FSU College of Law's Professor Sean Bairn for creating our theme music.